All right, welcome to Sports with a Cuppa. I'm Jonathan. Cheers. Coffee from Diddley Squat Farm. Compliments of my brother. Thank you very much. All right. Let's start with some Cowboys React that I never got to do. So the weeks heading into the Philly game, I had been harping on it and saying, it's not really going to be about winning or losing. It's going to be more about how they lose. Wasn't expecting them to go in to Philly and get a win. But was it going to be a competitive game or was it going to be a repeat of the 49ers game? And not only was it a competitive game, you had two shots to win the game. And I don't think you can ask for more. Now, I can ask for more from the offensive line in not giving up five sacks, and most of which were in you know, crunch time, winning time. But the defense played really well, well enough to win. And Dak outplayed Jalen Hurts, period. So, I think, I know a lot of people don't like to take moral victories or take, you know, good things from losses, but you really can from this one. Because if you were to say, oh, this is how the Cowboys are going to play for the rest of the year, they're going to win a lot of games playing like this. Uh, it was just really frustrating to see them have those opportunities and the O-line, and they weren't even blitzing. It was three, four-man rushes, and they couldn't keep them away from Dak. Um, really pathetic performance at the end of the game from them. And, you know, Tony Pollard didn't have a great game, 12 attempts, 50 yards. I I still would really like to see them get him involved in, in the passing game. He's a playmaker. Just get the ball in his hands. You know, I would like to see that, especially if the running game really isn't giving you a whole lot. And then they've, they've signed Martavius Bryant. I can't remember who he is and why he was out of the league. I don't know why they're always obsessed with adding receivers instead of offensive linemen or corners. You know, places where you really need help, but, you know, whatever. But you're two games back of Philly. Which isn't bad. You still haven't lost at home, which is good. You've got two games coming up in a row. New York, the Giants, and the Panthers. Two games not only you should win, but you should just blow the roof off the place. Or wherever you're playing. may not have a roof, but still. You should crush those two teams. And at some point you do have another game against Philly coming to Dallas. You have to win that game. That's no longer a just be competitive game. That's a you need to win that game. Period. So we'll see. We got a few weeks for that. A um, couple of other interesting things in the NFL. Miami can't beat a good team. I don't understand what the hell is going on there. A team that's got that high powered offense can't beat a winning team. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. I almost think like, oh, maybe Mikey McDaniels is being cheeky and sandbagging those games and just waiting for the playoffs. But 
no, you, you kind of need to win those games if you want to make the playoffs because you got the Bills behind you. The, the entire AFC North is 5-3. and three. Like, you, you got to win. So, I don't know what the hell the Dolphins deal is when it comes to that. But then there's C.J. Stroud in Houston. I don't know if I've ever said this before, but I want to watch the Houston Texans on Sunday. I, I, I don't even think I said that when Deshaun Watson was there before that whole debacle. I mean, they're two games out. Two, uh, two games? Yeah, I think they're two games out of the division against Jacksonville. Jacksonville's playing really good, though. I think they're on a five-game winning streak. Outstanding. But still, it's still Jacksonville, right? You still think you have a chance. I mean, you still have a half the season to go. CJ's on his way to having a 4,000 passing yard season, winning rookie of the year easily. Then they got a shot. They got a shot. And at this point, especially the way the AFC North is, if you want to make the playoffs, you have to win the division. But now I'm actually excited to watch Houston Texans football. And that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. And good on him for that because nobody believed in him much coming out. Everybody penciled Bryce Young in as a rookie of the year. And look at this kid go. So a really, really good draft choice on the Houston Texans. Good job. Before we get into basketball, <clears throat> I want to talk Formula One because we're a week out from the Vegas race. Very exciting. Hopefully the hospitality workers don't strike. And I finally drove it on the video game F123. Took me forever to get there, but I'm there. And the first thing that jumped out to me was the aesthetics. Nighttime on the strip. I mean, I guess we all kind of know that it's amazing with all the lights, but to be driving it, to be in cockpit view driving a Formula One car around there is really, really cool. Driving past the sphere is really cool. It's super fast. And it, the straightaway is extremely long. It's not as long as the one in Baku, but it's very long, very fast. And the tricky bits, you know, there's a couple of chicanes, one at the end of that straightaway, and there's another one in the middle of, I think it's in the middle of Sector 2 or towards the end of Sector 2. It's almost a blind turn in, and it's real slow. But there's also some kind of speed, fast corner. So it, it I means like a mix of like Saudi Arabia, Baku, and maybe a dash of Miami. So it's a real interesting layout. I'm curious to see how the actual racing is going to be. Because there's definitely overtake possibilities everywhere. Not everywhere, but in a lot of places. But, I'm, I mean, it just had me thinking, you know, that Williams car has to qualify well this, this time, right? They've always been up there in straight line speed. And with that straightaway, they should be up there. Now... They could lose a lot of time in those tricky bits, like I was saying, but there's also several fast corners, or maybe, maybe even like non-corners. They should be well there. Lando should do really well there. Now, I don't think Mercedes is going to do well because it's going to be cold, and we all know, it's well documented, that they struggle to heat up their tires. So, 
we'll see if Mercedes has a solution for that, but I don't think they will because they don't seem to have a solution for anything. Uh, maybe Ferrari can contend a little bit. Checo is supposed to be a street corner, not street corner, but a street circuit 90 degree corner specialist. We'll see how he, if he can get his Red Bull hooked up because we know he'll have straight line speed advantage. And we'll, hopefully it won't just be a parade and we'll actually see a lot of passing and a lot of good racing. But, I mean, driving on the game, I know it's just a video game, but it's, it's a decent representation of real life racing. And uh, it's a lot of fun to drive. It's a lot of fun to watch. But we'll see how the actual racing is. But I'm excited to watch it. All right, so moving on to basketball. Before I get to my Spurs, let me touch on Minnesota because it was a good game. I think under normal circumstances, the Spurs actually would have won that game. But the problem we ran into is Anthony Edwards is playing the best basketball of his life. And now Minnesota is 6-2, third in the West. Is the Gobert experiment working? Is all of that actually working now? It, and it is to an extent. I think it, it really is. Everyone's kind of finding a better... They're more comfortable with each other. They're more comfortable in their roles. And But the biggest key is... Anthony Edwards is now the best player. He's the top dog now. And, I mean, it was discussed after they got knocked out by Denver. Team, the guys on TNT went in on it. That Anthony Edwards has... They got to go faster. And they have to give the ball to Anthony Edwards more. But what's funny is... Even though he's averaging career-high rebounds, assists, and points... It's not really because he's shooting the ball a whole lot more. He's only taking about one shot more game this year than he did all of last year. He's taking one less three a game than he did last year. So he's actually playing better and more efficient. His three-point percentage is up four points from last year. His field goal percentage is up five points. His free throw percentage is up five points. Like He's just playing well and uh, more efficient still allowing cat to play his outside based game go bears lead the league i think in rebounds that yeah 13 rebounds a game uh he, he's not up there in blocks yet but i mean if you've got someone that's darn near a f top five scorer you've got the leading rebounder and team-wise, you're doing a lot of good things. Um, then, yeah, you can say the experiment's working and they're going to be a tough out against anybody. So I was I was impressed by them. And very impressed with Anthony Edwards. And you'll be curious to see if they can maintain that level. Because when you look at it, there just isn't anybody 
besides Denver that's really kind of grabbing it and holding on to it and running away with it. You know, Houston's five and three, but you gotta figure that'll come back to reality a little bit more. The Lakers are and Phoenix are only four and five. Phoenix hasn't I don't think they've played their three guys together yet. New Orleans is only four and five. Clippers are three and five. So there's good teams at the that are still figuring it out, waiting to turn it on, if you will. But Minnesota's put themselves in a good position to start and they're playing really good basketball. So that's that's impressive. <clears throat> Switch to the Eastern Conference. We're gonna talk about the Raptors. Uh, excuse me. Mainly because Spurs just played them. I got a good look at them. But I've got friends in Canada and they've been interested about my thoughts on the Raptors. So I will give you my thoughts on the Raptors. I just rewatched their win against the Mavericks. Very impressive win. And I, I think you can't really... talk about the Raptors without talking about Dennis Schroeder first because to me his addition has been amazing like his production it's just been I really thought they were going to struggle at the point guard position losing Fred but he's come right in and given them solid production I mean the best production he's had since his OKC days. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he had such a great summer with the German national team in the World Cup and gained that gold medal. I mean, he's averaging 17 and 8. Shooting 40% from 3. I mean, you can't ask for more from a non-all-star like all -star caliber point guard. You can't ask for more. Couple that with Scotty Barnes having a career year. Talk about Scotty Barnes has made the third year jump thus far that you really hope your first round lottery pick would make. You know, first couple of years, 15 points, you know, six boards, a couple of assists. Then to jump in that third year to 22 points, six assists, 10 boards with a very efficient shooting, 38% from three. That's outstanding. And he's going to continue to get better, which is the craziest part. Like, he is going to be the next kind of Kawhi Leonard type, except he's a better playmaker than Kawhi. The only issues for Toronto right now are really just offensively, because defense here, top 10, top 5 team. You're getting plenty of assists, but you're not scoring a lot. Some of that is due to Siakam. Uh, he hasn't really gotten going yet. He's had a couple of good games. The Mavericks game was fantastic. Uh, when I look at Pascal's numbers, I think this is someone that's just trying to get into the rhythm this season after having such a good year last year. But if he were to actually look at the numbers himself... I think you would see that he just needs to kind of get back to what he was doing last year. Take less threes, go inside more. Because that Mavericks game, he was 
dominated inside. It didn't matter who they put on him. He dominated. And Grant Williams is no slouch on the defensive end. And he just dominated. But you look back at the Spurs game, he was like 2 of 12. A lot of outside shots. Couldn't get going on the inside. So, once Pascal kind of recalibrates what he does offensively, gets into the more of the 21, 22, 23 points per game, along with Scotty, you got OGs averaging 17, Dennis is averaging 17. The offense will start turning around. But the biggest issue I think they're going to face is bench production. They get some decent production out of Trent Jr. and Boucher. But you need more than that. Uh, Malachi Flynn's actually a really good backup point guard. But you're getting nothing from Precious Chua. You're getting nothing from Grady Dick. I'm not really worried about Grady because this guy shot 40% from three in Kansas. His mechanics are top-notch. He'll be there. 23% from three will not be his final season percentage. I guarantee that. You can put money on that. But they need to find more production from the bench unit. Because you've already got Pascal and Scotty playing about 36 minutes a game. OG is like 33, 32. You need, you need to start being able to rest these guys a little bit more to make a whole year. But you're 4-4. Four four. The middle part of the Eastern Conference is kind of all jam-packed outside Philly and Boston. So they're going to be there. But I'd like to see them either go out and add somebody for that bench unit and just or and find ways to get Grady Dick more involved off ball screens, give him some open looks and get him going, give him confidence going. Yeah, I remember he's still a rookie. You know, he's a, you know, he only played one year in college. So help him get going, help him build that confidence as a shooter. And I think Toronto will be just fine because defensively they looked um, they looked brilliant at the end of the game against the Spurs. It was brilliant against Dallas. Played really well against Luka. Frustrating Luka. So I, I like what they're doing there. I like what they've got going on up there. So let's move on to the Spurs. I haven't talked about the Spurs in a while. Mainly because I'm not I don't really like coming on after every single game because sometimes there just isn't really much to talk about, especially when they're getting blown out by thirty or forty. Really isn't a whole lot to discuss there. Uh the Toronto game was very frustrating. Not surprised that they blew the twenty point lead because I already saw them do it against Phoenix, so I already knew that that was probably gonna happen. I even texted my friend in Canada, like, hey, She's all mad about the game, and I'm like, don't worry. It, it, the game will come back to them. Trust me. What was frustrating is that they didn't find a way to win the game. You know, against Phoenix, they found a way to win. And I think they were really missing Devin. But at the end of the game, when you have almost two seconds, you call two timeouts to drop a play. And that play didn't even involve Wimby. I get it. Everybody in the building, everybody in the NBA knew that the final play was going to go to Wimby, so you wanted to outsmart him. But for Christ's sake, like, 
you got to get a shot off. Any shot that Wimby gets is going to be better than anything else. So just do it. He's a Nike guy. Just do it. And then in overtime, they got absolutely nothing going. And Toronto was just hot. Scotty Barnes was on fire. OG was on fire. But, dude, it's just frustrating when you know what they need to do and they still won't do it. Like, at some point, they're going to, they need to realize that Wimby is the best player on the floor for the Spurs. Devin's good. Keldon's good. But Wimby is special. They need to come to that realization. And once they do that, the Jeremy Sohan point guard project will be even better because you're not going to rely on him running pick and roll and making a play. Run the offense through Wimby and Devin. But one of the things that I thought of to make the game a little easier for him is running a set that the Maverick, I can't remember what they called it, but the Mavericks used to run this play down our throats. It was just a simple top of the key screen forcing the Spurs to put to switch and have Tony Parker end up on Dirk. That's all they've got to do. Just run a simple screen. They almost did it against Minnesota the other night. They almost did it once. But they didn't recognize it and they switched back. But they almost had Conley on Wimby top of the key. And I screamed. I was like, Give him the ball and just spread out. He's either going to be allowed to go to work or they're going to have to double. If they start running that set, a lot of good things are going to happen. The other idea I had was maybe something, some kind of form of like Bill Walton, UCLA high post offense. Since Wimby can see over everybody and run a lot of motion. You know, something like that. But there are ways to run the offense through them that isn't just like ISO them on the wing or post them up. There's other ways to do it. They just need to start implementing these things. Because it's pretty clear if you're going to win, Wimby has to touch the ball. And he has to get going. If not, you're just going to be last year's team. Because... The perimeter defense is still horrible. The pick and roll defense is still horrible. And the solutions aren't quite coming quickly. So we'll see how it goes. But I mean, nine games in, I'm not unhappy with the way things are going. I wasn't expecting this being blowout losses, but it is what it is. But as far as like Wimby, if you had told me you know, nine games into his rookie season, he'd be averaging, what, 19? Yeah, 19 and 8 with two and a half blocks and a steal. A 19-year-old rookie doing that? That's that's pretty solid. That's pretty solid. He's on his way to rookie of the year for sure. But what's crazy about those numbers to me is that's less than 30 minutes a game. And there's some bad, like there's like bad games mixed in there too, like New York. You go down to his per thirty six numbers, twenty four 
10, and 3 blocks. That's pretty, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And I think that would go up if he maybe shot the three ball a little less. Kind of like uh, Anthony Edwards, you know, do a little less here, but do a little more over here and watch the numbers maybe shift a little bit. But other than that, I mean, he's just, he's pretty consistent. Not ultra consistent, but pretty consistent. I mean, this is his last five games, 29, 14, 13, 20, 38. Like, he can go off. He can be middle of the road, but he's never really had a horrible game. New York was not a good game, but it wasn't horrible. 14 and 9. It's not horrible. Just didn't make any threes and no Devin Vassell, really. I think he played in limited minutes. Yeah, and he just he shot the ball. He shot the ball pretty poorly, but it's to be expected sometimes. And overall, I mean they've got three wins. Two of which were completely unexpected. So we will see how the next handful of games go. And then I'll get back on here and assess. But overall, not a bad start to the first nine games. Not bad. Not great, but not bad. So I think that'll do it for this episode. Hopefully be back soon. Appreciate you listening. Follow the show on Twitter, Slack Official Pod, Instagram, Sports with a Cup of a bunch of underscores, you'll figure it out. <laughs>